station WERU. And at 7.30 in the morning on Mondays, we hear live on the telephone with R.W. Estella Enward in Edgewise. Good morning, R.W. Good morning, Allison. The past couple of installments of A Word in Edgewise have been exploring a technology that is up and coming in more ways than one. Thirty-three years ago, the Federal Aviation Administration issued Advisory Circular 91-57 for model aircraft, those scaled-down replicas that have little motors, no pilot on board, and are controlled remotely by a human operator on the ground with a little handheld radio. In the decades since, radio-controlled, or RC, aircraft have evolved considerably. Their current cousins go by various names, depending upon who one is speaking to. The Federal Aviation Administration, or FAA, refers to these pilotless aircraft as Unmanned Aerial Systems, or UAS. Other folks have called them Unmanned Aerial Vehicles, or UAV. Still others, some of whom represent the manufacturers and operators of these devices, insist that every one of these scaled-down aircraft does indeed have an operator and is therefore manned, and they use the name drones, which has perhaps become the most used expression. For at least a decade now, the unmanned aerial systems that have received the most attention, media attention, are those operated by the U.S. military performing surveillance and strike operations in Iraq and Afghanistan. Incidents have occurred in which innocent civilians have been mistakenly killed, but suspicions exist that the frequency of reporting these incidents does not match the frequency of the incidents. Nonetheless, Afghanistan and Iraq are a long way from the United States, and events in those regions thousands of miles away from our domestic home front are naturally going to receive less attention than things that happen here at home. So it is with a high-profile incident in March of this year involving a close call with a regional jet at an altitude of 2,300 feet, five miles from the airport of Tallahassee, Florida. The unmanned aerial system came close enough that after landing, the regional jet was inspected for damage, which it fortunately had not sustained. The unmanned aerial system's pilot and the UAS were not found. But the point is that if a modest-sized bird can bring down an aircraft, so can a small UAS. Two months ago, a UAS, this one a quadcopter, readily available online, crashed into the 30th floor of a St. Louis office building. In this May incident, neither the aircraft nor the building escaped unscathed, although thus far the owner-operator has, opting for anonymity and leaving the aircraft and attached gear unclaimed, collectively valued at over $2,000. Keep in mind that the size of the UAS fleet ranges widely, from the smallest Hummingbird models to giants the size of Boeing 737s. Meanwhile, the FAA has approved the first commercial UAS flights overland by giving approval to Energy Corporation British Petroleum and UAS manufacturer Aerovironment to do aerial surveys in Alaska. Transportation Secretary Anthony Fox said, These surveys on Alaska's north slope are another important step toward broader commercial use of unmanned aircraft, adding, The technology is quickly changing and the opportunities are growing. Aerovironment will use its Puma AE, a small hand-launched UAS about four and a half feet long with a wingspan of nine feet. 
BP hopes to target maintenance activities on specific roads and infrastructure while saying it will help protect the sensitive North Slope environment. Our series so far on Award and Edgewise regarding unmanned aerial systems has been concerned principally with the safety UAS in relation to regular aircraft activity. In future editions, we will explore the issues of privacy. For Morrow Nomain, have a great day.